Welcome to the Minion Podcast, a podcast about the Minnesota Twins and Major League Baseball. And today with me, I have Andrew Brisgornia from Twinkie Town. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for thanks for stopping by. Yeah, no problem. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to each week I find an article and I'm, we're going to discuss that article. So I I found an article in the Athletic about. Okay. It's by Jason Stark. I wasn't able to read it because I actually don't have a subscription. But it's about what would happen if baseball banned the shift. And I wanted to ask you, since you said you definitely have opinions on the shift, what do you think that would entail if that happened? And do you think it should happen? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, I do have a subscription to The Athletic, and I'm trying to pull up that article again just so I can see what exactly he talked about there. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask my parents to buy me one for Christmas or something because I don't, <laughs> yeah. What, what's funny is that uh, last Christmas thing told my parents that's what I wanted, and then they didn't actually do it. So, <laughs> oh, funny, well, I found yeah. it okay. Um, so I just ended up buying it myself because I just kept seeing, like I followed their Twitter account and ultimately there were just so many links that were being tweeted out yeah. that it's, looked interesting to me that I just ended up buying it myself. It's unavoidable at this point. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm just glancing through it again to see what it says. Um... Okay, it says 8,000 more shifts in baseball, or 8,000 more shifts on balls in play this past season compared to 2017. Jeez, that's a lot, actually. Yeah, 28,000 more shifts than there were five years ago. Is that an analytics thing? Because uh, I think... Yeah, so like at Inside Edge, we measure um, shifts, at least whatever we can see on the uh, television broadcast. And um, this data that Stark is referencing is specifically from Sports Info Solutions. Okay. So that's that's our rival company. Oh boy, so probably uh, <laughs> has some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 fine. Um, but yeah, we um we we track it. We um like many people define it as you have three or more infielders on one side of second base. Um. We, we record it whenever we can see it. So even if it's like a strikeout or a walk, if we can see the defense at some point during the at-bat, we make sure to record okay. it. So do you think it's good or bad for baseball? Just getting that out of the way. Um, I I do not mind the shift at all. I, in my opinion, I think it's good for baseball. Yeah, neither do I. I think it's mostly just, yeah, I think it kind of stemmed from that whole idea that like, You've talked about this a lot in some of your pieces. There are the, like, former baseball players or, like, the managers who are like, this isn't how it used to be. Like, it was the good old days where this never happened or anything like that. I think that might be part of it, actually. Like, the not understanding really how the modern game is working, like, with the analytics 
stuff. Yeah, I mean, the game the game is evolving and this is how it has chosen to evolve. It's like in the NBA where teams were able to use um the expected value of a shot and figured out that three-pointers um even with the lower percentage of makes are still worth more overall than just attempting a bunch of jump shot uh two-pointers. Oh, yeah, I actually used that as a source. I did a presentation on sabermetrics in in uh high in first year of so freshman year of high school i did a presentation on sabermetrics and uh-huh. i read about so the warriors like they're very three happy team they have uh stephen curry and clay thompson and just a bunch of really good three-point shooters they figured out that the shot value was way better if it was a three-pointer obviously because it's worth more points so they just started attempting it more and i think that's kind of the same thing here where they're attempting more they're doing more shifts because they just thought it would work better yeah and i mean it we've definitely seen uh especially left-handed uh power hitters that have been affected significantly like the now, this is from a while back, but Mark Teixeira, of the, uh, when he was with the Yankees, he was somebody who suddenly the shift was being used on him constantly, and his batting average dropped from like 280 to 240 is what it felt like. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people cite Ryan Howard. Um, but then you also had other guys like David Ortiz where you could shift on him all you wanted, and he still was going to hit 300 every single right. year. Yeah, and I think the thing is people are – Maybe one of the arguments is that it's like harming hitters' ability to pick up hits, but I also think it's like a defensive positive strategy for defense. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what I've what I've been hearing about is uh, the batting average on balls in play has not changed significantly, even with all of these shifts that are occurring now, and. Um, a couple years ago for Twinkie Town, I believe, or, I mean, I, I know I wrote the article. I, I just, I believe it was a couple years ago, but um, I had written about how I just started at Inside Edge. And one of the things that we have to do is um, when a defensive shift is done and the ball is put in play, we have a button that we have to press that says, did this affect the outcome of the play? As in, okay. what without the shift, would this ground ball have been a hit or um, did the shift not matter? The outcome was going to happen no matter what kind of def- whatever whatever reasonable defense the uh, um, fielding team had chosen to use. And what I had found was that now anecdotally, it's not like I was tallying this during a game, but anecdotally it felt like three out of four times, four out of five times, I was clicking, no, the shift did not impact the outcome of the right. play. Yeah. And so for my Twinkie Town article, I started thinking about it and was like, why is this happening? And I started to realize, well, these guys that are usually being shifted are the power hitters and they are either striking out, they are walking, or they're hitting the ball in the air. Three true outcomes. Yeah, and when when the ball was hit on the ground, it felt as if they were hitting it to a part of the field that would have been covered by a normally shifted infielder anyway. Yep. It was it was rare that the ground ball straight up the middle was being fielded. It typically was still 
a pulled grounder to the second baseman who, yes, he might be positioned now 20 feet into the outfield, but he had only shifted maybe three steps closer to first base at the same time. Yep. And, and if he had been at normal depth, the play would have been a little bit more difficult for him, but I felt like he was still capable of making that play in a normal shift alignment. And so my, um, my conclusion was from uh, just thinking about it was it felt like we were overreacting to the shift impact with um, ground balls in play. Yeah, that makes sense. So you think it's a good thing. Yeah. Why do you think people think it's a bad, like we talked about this a little bit, but why do you think people think it should be gotten rid of? Somewhere along the line, I think every, or not every, but most fans are channeling the coaching that they received when they were younger and they were playing baseball, which was you got to put the ball in play, swing at a good pitch, um, give whatever the defense or take whatever the defense gives you. And so it just feels like a lot of people see a shift and they think, wow, Joey Gallo has all this field over on the left side that is open. He should just slap the ball over there or drop down a bunt because back in, you know, middle school, high school baseball, that's exactly what you would have done is you would have seen that open field and been like, oh, I'm going to just get myself a cheap single. Oh, yeah. And sorry. No, and it just feels like a lot of people don't account for the fact that it is really difficult to hit a major league pitch. And it, I mean, I know a lot of people are not satisfied when the argument is, well, Joey Gallo is not paid to slap singles through the left side. He's paid to hit home runs. So I, I, I get that some people are not satisfied with that as an answer. So we did. I but, we didn't pay Joe Bauer twenty three million to hit singles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I have many opinions about the Joe Bauer contract that I think will annoy some people too. And I, I'm I'm firmly in the camp of it was a good contract. The Twins just had some really bad. Oh luck. yeah, as am I. I think it's the injuries thing too that. He had injuries mm-hmm. and that hurt his play for a few years. And it was the time. It was it was the timing of the contract too. It was immediately after he had the best season of his career. Yeah. And so when he Go has ahead. the best season of his career, he's they're like, oh yeah, he's worth a lot of money, so they give him that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I I totally believe. I saw plenty of comments saying. Uh, if he had gone to another team, those same fans likely would have been upset that the twins were too cheap to retain yep. him. And but also they're mostly Facebook comments and they're usually <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah. But um yeah, going going back I I am fantastic at going on tangents. Uh, everybody that knows oh, yeah, me this, already this knows the, this. This is the place for it if you wanted to go on a tangent. <laughs> but anyway, no, back back to what we were initially saying, though, is that I think I, I'm sure there are a lot of baseball fans that are convinced that it is just really easy to drop down a bunt. And the problem is then they're citing people that were good at it. They think of, oh, well, Tony Oliva, he could drop down a bunt whenever he wanted. Or is it Rod Carew? I, I honestly get the two of them mixed up all the time. But it's like 
it's crew it's yeah. got to be rod crew um you're but sorry, your my, twitter profile picture for a long time was the never bunt hit dingers uh oh yeah <laughs> And it's just like, that's great that Rod Carew was excellent at dropping down bunts, but that that's a confirmation bias. He was one of the best at doing yeah. that. You can't, you can't say, oh, bunting is easy, and then you cite the person who makes it look easy. I can't remember, can't remember what it was, but I think there was a Twins game last year. It was nationally televised by FS1, and Twins pulled off a bunt. I don't know who did it. And Justin Kutcher, who was the lead announcer for that game, he said, and that is why bunting is good. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I think just a lot of fans seem to think that beating the shift is far easier than it really is. Um, there have been, there've been some... Something interesting, there have been some, I guess, unforeseen consequences of the shift too, though. And that's kind of why people are getting upset with it, is that um, in an effort to try to induce the hitter to hit into the shift, pitchers now are, it seems like they're nibbling a little bit more. And maybe it's also that they're just afraid of, hey, we know the batters are swinging for doubles, triples, home runs every time now. So we have to little bit more precise with our pitches um walks have increased like there's data that has shown there is a higher probability of a walk occurring with a three to one side shift rather than uh during a normal shift yeah i think and and that's contributing to the inaction and people are kind of frustrated by that too i i think the this is way off but I think the no pitch intentional walk thing is really stupid. And I don't know why they did it. <laughs> you know, I, it kind of bothered me at first. And then I think within two months and I got used to it. I think then it just, it did not bother me anymore. The thing is, though, it didn't help the pace of play at all. <laughs> they had that seven hour world series game. And I don't think it would have been a lot longer with the, intentional walk like the regular intentional walks oh no uh, slowing um what's slowing down the pace of play is uh pitchers that just refuse to get onto the rubber right away it's hitters that are busy adjusting all of their gear um it's the fact that we just we take so many breaks during the game also like there's I'm I'm kind of conflicted on this, but I've seen a lot of arguments against the uh, warm-up pitches for uh, relievers because they've been warming up in the bullpen anyway. And it's like, on one hand, I could say, well, you eliminate this, then you've got to also make sure you watch the, t- the home teams and make sure that they're not messing with the bullpen mound compared to the game mound because then, oh, we might make one, I don't know, an inch or two inches taller, and so then that will throw off you know, any opposing relievers that try to enter a game if they're not allowed to have any warm-up pitches after that. And I'm sure it's probably a little bit of an injury uh, risk yeah. also if they were to mess with that. But at the same time, I also agree. It's like you just spent – I mean, unless you're Terry Mulholland where you threw one pitch and you were already warm. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, like if uh, – 
if you've already spent, let's say, you know, three to 10 minutes warming up in the bullpen, you probably don't, you probably did not get cold just when you took your slow trot from the bullpen. Yeah. I to also the mound. think the, the um, whole, that whole idea probably stemmed from like, Oh, millennials have really short attention spans and we need to, and there are less millennial baseball fans. So I, here's that, that that's another topic that really bothers me. <laughs> if you pay attention to a game or if you go to a ballpark and you look around and you think how much of this is actually catered to not necessarily millennials, but just kids yeah. in general, there's not really a lot going on. Like I, uh, another piece for Twinkie town, I've ranted all the time about how target field keeps adding more and more bars. And I mean, I'm, I'm 29 years old. You can put in all the bars <laughs> you want and I'm happy with that. I don't mind that. <laughs> but if I'm, if I'm bringing my kids to the game, Suddenly, those bars don't mean a thing right. to me. Yeah, and they like, have the family-friendly section too, like the no no dude, alcohol. But okay, that's that just means that the people around you act a little bit more appropriate during a game. That doesn't necessarily mean it's more entertaining for your children, though. Yeah. And it, and I guess another thing too that has bugged me is like, at at the same time, then we we complain, oh, the kids are on their phones all the time. Well, then Major League Baseball is also advertising uh, all these different features that they've got where you need to pull out your phone to access them during yeah, the game. Yeah, the ballpark app and all that stuff. And, like, oh, yeah, exactly. you can't play Twingo without your phone anymore, so. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, you could show a kid on TV and chastise him or her for having their phone out during a game, and who knows? The kid could be playing Twingo at the right. same time. Or they could be playing Fortnite or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, you know what's funny, though, is that, um, and so uh, you already know this, but for the people listening, I'm also a teacher, and I'm, I've I'm, always had used students. To, you used to teach at my high school, actually. Yeah, and actually, um, what, you were not there while I was yeah. teaching, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I ended I ended up leaving your school. I think it was the year right before you entered. Yeah. But um but yeah, and actually what you you probably remember this too. I was a student at your yeah. school. Uh, yeah, so um and that was oh geez. Over oh I graduated from high school over 10 years ago. <laughs> um but yeah, so uh anyway, like my students, they find out that I love baseball. And to for them, very few of them are actually interested in baseball. It's always football or basketball, oh, yeah. and to a lesser extent, hockey. Um, but like, I'll have students then that are just kind of like jokingly harassing me and being like, "Oh, baseball is so boring. Like, how like how can you like such a sport?" And then I completely shock them when I just, I'm not even joking. I just look at them and I'm like, "No, you're right. It is boring." And they're like, "Wait, but, but it it's your." favorite sport i thought and i'm like yeah, yeah it is yeah. it's also that's boring. actually, that's actually <laughs> why, I, why i enjoy it so much sometimes you just sit there watch a game for three hours and it's just like i don't know what it is but i enjoy the boring part of it actually oh yeah like i had um 
I, I, I've explained it to multiple people that if you're watching something like hockey or basketball, I feel like you have to be watching constantly, like especially in hockey when they, they probably it feels like they average like four goals yeah. a game. It's like you feel like you need to be constantly watching. And for something like baseball, I totally get why people think it's boring. But at the same time, my thought is I can sit back and I can talk to people and I can kind of like pay attention to other things that are going on. And every once in a while, I can just glance up and that's fine with me. Like, I feel like other, I feel like other sports have to be your main source of your attention. Whereas for baseball, I feel like I have the ability to do other things while the game is still yeah, going on. Actually, what I've gotten really into, like, since the World Cup is soccer. I'm, I've become a huge soccer fan, actually. And that's, like, continuous. Like, there's no stop stoppage of, but, like, the clock does not stop. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, it's, so I've been watching a lot of the MLS, which is, like, it's the, of course, you know what that is. Yeah, but yeah. it's a lower tier league, so people don't like it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, compared to the English yeah, Premier League, I've become a pretty big Minnesota United fan, and they've let me down already. So I've already gone through the whole Minnesota sports uh, deal with them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, um, it doesn't matter what sport it is. I. I feel like I'm able to appreciate everything. It even um, I was never a gymnastics fan, and suddenly one of my students invited me to go to one of her meets, and I went. And like, sure, I didn't fully understand what was going on, but like watching what they were doing, I was able to appreciate it anyway, even if it wasn't fully interesting for Wait. me. Specifically because I could look at them and be like, they are doing things that I know I could not yeah. do. And, like, people watch gymnastics in the Olympics and stuff, and it's a, it's big in every four years in the summer. Yeah, and, and, and so, like, related, related to that, then, uh, I have people that are surprised when I say I can sit down and watch tennis or I can watch golf. They're like, well, isn't that really boring? I'm like, well, it's kind of similar thing. It's just like, okay, well... For tennis, I like I have played tennis and it's kind of a hard sport for me. And so I can watch uh I can watch a professional tennis player and appreciate like their skill level with what they're doing. Or like with golf also. I same thing. I I can golf. I enjoy golfing. It's still really, really difficult for me. And I can watch a professional golfer and just say, you know, they just they just made a chip in in the same location where I would have shot the ball oh, over yeah. the green. <laughs> I love golf, but I suck at golf. Yeah. I, I enjoy watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's to your point, like they're professional athletes, so you can kind of appreciate what they're doing, even if you just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that's another thing that I really hate about um, 
sports fans online like, oh, this sport is bad. Well, they're still doing things at a higher level than anyone else would be able to do it. So it's still pretty cool to watch. Yeah, what I'm thinking is uh, um, like people trying to justify that their sport is better than Please another like sport. sport. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, a baseball game goes into a rain delay and then all the football fans come out crying about how uh, football players are so much tougher because rain doesn't stop them. And it's like, okay, baseball stops because the pitcher is throwing a baseball 95 miles per hour. And if that goes into someone's dome, they're going to be dead. And like, there's those memes that are like, uh, LeBron James got a cramp and had to go off for the game. This hockey player got punched in the nose and broke it and came out and finished his game or whatever. And it's... If the hockey player had a cramp in his leg, he'd be doing the same thing <laughs> as LeBron. Right. And, like, I see it a lot with, like, the lesser, the more less popular sports. Like, hockey and soccer are really big for that. Like, oh, you wouldn't appreciate this because you don't you don't understand or whatever. And then when people actually get into it, they're like, you're not a real fan or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you're just a poser. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I see that. I, um, I am just so turned off by just the majority of sports fans in general. Um, a story, a story that I've got, um, I went to a wild game last year i think it was and i had just uh bought uh a friend's season tickets and was sitting in their seats and it was a really bad wild game they were down i want to say four to one five to one something like that and so the crowd's growing restless and towards the end of the game um the wild have the puck and one of their defensemen takes it behind their own net now throughout the Throughout the whole game, fans around me, once they see the deficit growing, are screaming that the wild players just should shoot the puck any time they've got it in the offensive zone. It doesn't <laughs> matter how many defenders were between the wild player and the net. It was You could have three, three defenders and the goalie, and they're still screaming, shoot it, because they're hoping that they're going to get some sort of like uh, magic bullet that's going to bounce off of each person and get into the net oh, somehow. Yeah. And I understand a lot of hockey goals are scored like that, but usually what I've seen is it bounces off one person, not three yeah, people. So, sorry. I actually play floor hockey um, for a district team, and uh, I'm a defender. So a lot of that happens. I get hit with the puck, and then it goes in or something like that. And it's really frustrating, but also it's like, what can you do? It just hit you right there. And there's not yeah. a lot you can really do about it. Yeah. So, so at this at this wild game, I'm already getting frustrated because people are screaming, screaming for them to shoot, and I'm just watching, and I'm like, okay, this this puck is not even going to get to the right. net. <laughs> like you're you're demanding that he just shoot it directly into a guy's midsection. Um. Anyway, then, uh, so towards the end of the game, wild player has the puck, retreats back behind his own net, and 
the guy seated behind me starts screaming out saying, you're going the wrong direction. <laughs> and I'm just, I just turn around and I'm like, okay, hockey is my fourth favorite sport and I'm not an expert right. of hockey, but I can clearly tell, especially when I'm watching it on, uh, watching it in the arena versus watching on mm-hmm. TV. When I can see players swapping in and out on the ice as one player is holding the puck in his defensive zone, yeah, <laughs> I completely understand what is going on. Yeah, they, the tired players are leaving. The new line is coming in. The fresh players are coming in. And this guy behind me is just screaming, basically saying, "Hey, you're the only man." So that the <laughs> thing about just being able to understand things even if you don't watch it religiously that's it kind of makes sense like the people who it, I almost get it in a way where they're like well well, you don't watch it as much as we do, so I must understand more than you do. You know what I mean? Like, it makes sense. To me, that kind of gets into the point also of, like, uh, claiming that former players and former coaches are better experts at the game because they've actually played at that level. And, like, we can see, like, you probably heard about uh, the ridiculous thing Harold Reynolds said on MLB Network earlier this week. I didn't, but I believe that I believe that he said something. <laughs> um. So I I did not watch the full clip, probably because I was going to be too embarrassed for him. But um, it was something about how they were. Comp- I, I do remember seeing like talking about. Uh, I think it was Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. And um, slugging percentage was one of the stats cited as they were comparing the two players. And I guess Reynolds made some comment about how slugging percentage does not incorporate home runs. Oh, the du- the doubles and, are the same as home runs or something like that. Oh, the, yeah. I have yeah. seen that, yes. Okay. And so, like, that to me is I, – I mean, that's an extreme example, but um, – to a okay, something a little bit closer to home. People that have read my stuff on Twinkie Town know that I rail against Burt Blylevin all the time, and to a lesser extent, uh, um, Dan Gladden. Yeah, but like that's, that's something where, like, yes, I understand that they were um, former players that are now talking about the game, but when Bert is constantly just regurgitating the same information every single game or Dan Gladden is one of those guys ranting about how the game was better in the eighties compared to it today. Do you remember Uh, when uh, somebody, somebody threw it Eduardo Escobar and then uh, Bert tweeted out, uh, I would throw it the next guy's head at the, Um, I don't recall that. I do know of a similar one that involved Hawk Harrelson, which was 
Um, oh boy. I want to. <laughs> Although, for what it's worth, Hawk's suggestion was going to be much more difficult to pull off. It was a uh, a White Sox player got thrown at, and there wasn't even benches clearing, but it was definitely pitcher and batter just kind of glaring at each other afterwards. Yeah. And I remember Hawk making a comment of like, well, you know, you get him back now by just hitting a line drive and smoke it right back up the That's middle. That's really hard to do, like, though. Scare, scare the, yeah, scare the pitcher. And I'm just like, okay, one, let's not retaliate. Two, that is very difficult to just do a, at yeah. will. <laughs> it's like, I I think there there are honestly people who want baseball to be a contact sport. I honestly think that, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. The people that were upset when um, the collision put in place at home plate and second, like, I'll I'll admit initially I was I was the kind of person who loved watching the collisions at home plate. Um, I remember the Twins. I want to say it was maybe Tory Hunter or somebody. Um, I mean. He also ran over, what was it, Jamie Burke, I think it was. Yeah. But that's not the one I was thinking of. I'm thinking of a different one where, like, he came home and made contact with the catcher, and the catcher dropped the ball and it allowed the winning run to score. Um, like, that was really fun to watch. Collisions were really fun to watch. But that one game that I'm citing also, it turned out the catcher suffered a broken wrist on a play, too. Oh, yeah. Like, that was, that was why he dropped the ball, because his wrist snapped. And... I mean, I completely understand that those rules were put in place because they're trying to make the game more safe. You want to you want to keep your best players on the field, and you can't do that if you've got players taking each other out in a sport that is not intended to be played as um, where it's legal for you to be taking each other out. Yeah, and I I remember vividly the time that Justin Morneau had a home play collision and came out coughing up blood. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Yeah, I remember that because that was like, I was pretty young when that happened. And it was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, this is very, that's very dangerous for that to happen to anyone, really. Mm -hmm. Oh, and if you um, just look at Look at some of the plays that happened way back in the 70s and 80s. Like some of those are absolutely ridiculous. Like I remember, I I remember, um, I don't know who it involved, but there was one like takeout. It wasn't even a slide. (laughs) It was basically the runner just barreled right into the uh, middle infielder at second base and basically pushed him like, like halfway the distance between second base and the outfield grass. (laughs) Yeah. Like he, he just blasted him off of, the bag and back then that was legal yeah and like i read a book review because there was a there's a book that i found on my kindle because i was looking for baseball related books just to read and i read a review of a book about the dodgers giants rivalry in like the 40s and 50s and this older guy who probably watched it when he was a kid he was talking about the subject of the review was this was real baseball when people would cl- put their cleats into the the runner's leg or something like that. And it was very clear to me when he was saying this that 
he really liked the collisions and all that stuff. And yeah, that was how it was for a long time. Yeah, and what's funny though is that you see that happen at like the youth level, and that's going to be considered unsportsmanlike. But up up in the pros, no, it's totally fine to do yeah. that. And people want want drama or something, they, so that's why they like the collisions and all that stuff when it happens. They want violence. I mean, there's so many so many complaints about the NFL. Where I mean, for the longest time, it was all these rules are protecting the quarterbacks, and now it's been expanded. And uh, no, it's I mean, it's not just it's not just their new sack rule. You can't put your weight on the quarterback. It's also um, for kickoffs. You can't you can't have two guys teaming up to do to block a single player. You can't have runner. You can't have the um, players um, getting a running start at the kickoff. Um, they moved up the, where you put the ball for a touchback. Like they, they've, the NFL has completely changed kickoffs to the point where they're rarely returning them anymore. And I know, like, I, I watch Vikings games with my in-laws, and I know my father-in-law is really upset with this. And he says, like, there's no fun in watching a kickoff anymore because you know they're just going to kick it out at the back of the end zone every they're single time. They're getting too soft. I mean, like, I, I I agree with him to an extent in the sense of I'm actually more upset about onside kicks. Like, those to me have not become fun anymore. And and actually, the data has shown it used to be like a 20% success rate for those, and now it's dropped. It's, it's been cut in half since they implemented the rule that all the players have to line up on the line of scrimmage and can't get a running start. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, John Boyce, you're familiar with him, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, breaking the series is one of my favorite things that he's uh, ever done. Kickoffs are stupid and bad. Have you seen that? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sure I have. I just don't remember. It was it. one of the chart party ones where he was like, uh, every single time kickoffs happen, they usually go out of the back of the end zone. And then he's like, there was this one really cool time though when. Cordell Patterson ran one back and like did this weird route and that was the only good kickoff and the rest of oh, them yeah. were bad or something like that and so he advocated for eliminating the kickoff <laughs> yeah I just I just found the video you don't mind me just uh, sitting here in silence for 16 minutes while I watch it do you um <laughs> 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 Me, um, I've seen it, so I can tell you uh, what it, what it, what the if you if you'd rather me do that. No, no, no. I I know I've seen this. I'm just chart party. I can just yeah, and it's there. It goes pretty deep, actually. The all of his videos go pretty deep. Yeah. So, and I'm, I don't think it would make for a very good episode if I just let you sit, sit there for 16 minutes while you watch that. <laughs> so. No, it's fine. 
Yeah, and I was thinking about maybe wrapping it up at this point, too, because we've covered a lot in a really short amount of time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So thank you for coming on, and maybe I'll have you on again at yeah. some point. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for inviting yeah, me. No problem. So, so that's it for today, and... I don't know when the next episode is going to be probably fairly soon. And I hope that you enjoyed this one and I will have a different guest on each week. So there will be more people, more people to talk to. And that is Minion podcast episode one. Hope you enjoyed it.